Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. Hope everyone is having a relaxing holiday season. I first wanted to take a little bit of time to thank each of you for a successful 2023 on the podcast. We had several amazing guests. We explored a variety of topics, and we really appreciated all the feedback we received from you throughout the year. Well, this podcast may have started so I could have some interesting conversations and get some answers to what's going on in the art world. It's turned into something much bigger, and we couldn't be where we are today without your support. So thank you. While in Miami for the fairs, I had an opportunity to host a live podcast at Untitled Art Fair during the opening hours of the fair. I was in conversation with Oliver Moreau, who's from Victoria Moreau Gallery in London, and he's also the founder of Vortec, an art-led platform that aims to create a connected, collaborative conversation around immersive 3D, AR, and VR exhibitions. During our conversation, I chatted with Oliver about the Vortec platform, trends and how art's being consumed and shared digitally, as well as what the future may look like for exhibitions, art fairs, and really any event as a result of the technological innovations that we are already seeing. I wanted to share the conversation here on the podcast so you had an opportunity to take a listen for those of you that didn't attend the event in person. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much again for listening. And I'll see you in 2024. Welcome to the Untitled Art Podcast, recorded live at the 12th edition in Miami Beach. My name is Clara Andrade. I am the Director of Development and Curatorial Affairs at Untitled Art. I am delighted to be introducing our very first panel discussion of the week and thrilled to present our panelist, Oliver Miro, founder of Bortic, the leading digital exhibitors platform, and Adam Green, Untitled Art Ambassador, esteemed art advisor, and host of the Art Acted podcast, so definitely an expert in this arena. This year's expanded partnership with Bortic is framed within one of the curatorial themes guiding our 12th edition, Curating in the Digital Age. This focus is a stage for dialogue on how curatorial practices are adopting in response to a rapid evolution of the new technologies, as well as visual experimentation with digitalization and new viewing experiences. Through our collaboration and the Bortic Prize, Bortic provided to our exhibitors with the opportunity to create virtual extensions of their presence in Miami. And I invite you, of course, to explore the digital exhibitions by the 53 participating galleries at the Bortic booth. Looking ahead to the future of art fairs, we know these hybrid virtual and physical opportunities represent crucial next steps for our industry, creating more access, diverse representation, sustainable practices, and reaching to wider audiences. And so I'm very happy to pass the mic to Adam to get us started on this timely conversation. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Oliver, it's great to chat with you. And this is kind of fun. We have people here in the audience. We have people that will listen to this conversation eventually or maybe watch it. So uh, this is definitely a little bit more professional than the podcast I normally host uh, just in my bedroom at home. But uh, yeah, Oliver, it's great to chat with you. Lovely to meet you. And, and thank you so much for having 
me on this, on this panel. It's uh, the second time in two years, um, last year with the wonderful Gretchen. Um, so I hope I don't repeat too much um, from, from last year, but thank you for, for doing this. It's, uh... Yeah, absolutely. So I think, yeah, today I'd love to talk a little bit more about Vortec and what you're doing with that and really just talk about innovation in that space and how you know, things have changed in terms of how people can consume and enjoy you know, traditional fine art you know, through a digital medium. I think uh, you know, there's so much potential in that space and we've already seen a lot of growth there over the last few years. But I guess I think a good place to kind of start for our listeners or audience who haven't actually experienced the Vortec platform, tell us, yeah, what is Vortec exactly and how, yeah, give us a taste for what it's like to experience an exhibition uh, through the platform. So, um, so Vortex started in um, 2016 with, a, with an idea that I wanted to put someone in front of, an, whoever it may be, in front of an artwork. That for me was the starting point because we represent, at the gallery, we, we represent 38 artists or so. And every time I would see their work, it would be on Instagram or I'd have a collector call me and say, oh, I've seen a work, but I, is there any way of sending a better image? And, and, and it was always had to be done on an email and it was just never very, um, it was just not very, uh, it wasn't allowing us to represent these artists in the best way. So I set about trying to create um, a, a platform where I could put a collector or anyone who wants to experience a piece of art in front of that work. And then it already went from there and, and brought so many opportunities for what we can do. Um, but in terms of Vortic and the experience now, we're getting to a place where when we we first started building this in, in 2016, we always envisaged that it would take six to seven years to, to be in a position to actually do it properly. There's so much complexity around the technical side um, and the hardware as well. So we, 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 at the beginning, we wanted to target purely the VR headsets. Um, but we realized quite quickly that no one had the VR headset, so we could make all this amazing VR content, but no one could consume it because no one had the, the headsets in there at, at home. So we deviated and, and launched as a mobile app um, and as a desktop, a, a web-based experience. So very difficult to give someone a nice experience of viewing art on a mobile phone, you know, so. Yeah, I kind of, uh, I, I would say it's kind of like, almost playing a video game, sort of a first player video game. You can walk around and really, you know, replicate walking around an exhibition and getting close to the art. And uh, there's also, of course, some additional things like you can hear the artist actually talk about the work and different features that we'll get into in a little bit. Um, yeah, I feel like it's been interesting at the art world and just the trends in terms of viewing art in a digital way. I think maybe three or four years ago when as Instagram became a bigger tool, I feel like there were debates, is it, you know, is this good for the art world? Is it bad to kind of consume art this way? Um, what are your thoughts, you know, about like the positives or maybe any negatives of just like the overall, how much it's helped uh, or hurt the art world to be able to experience art digitally when you can't view it in person? Yeah. So, you know, Instagram is fantastic because it's so instant, you know, it's this instant access. It's so easy to, you know, people to walk around, take pictures. But what you lose is so much about the, that artwork itself. And it's also such a quick experience. So you're flicking, just flicking and flicking and flicking. 
And we wanted to create something where you stop, you can experience, you can sit in front of that artwork or stand in front of that artwork and take your time to, you know, experience it in the right way without all of this, you know, all of the distractions that Instagram or other social media platforms bring. So it's quite, an, it's a very immersive experience, it? and it's sort of, you know, what, what we saw at the beginning with, was the average duration of each session was between six and 12 minutes, which for us, for an exhibition, digital exhibition was like, we were so impressed with that, you know, that the time that people would stay in the exhibition. They probably spent three minutes trying to work out how to walk yeah. around. But that, that might be longer than, you know, experiencing the exhibition actually in real life. Yeah, but it, what it does is, I think it's one of the longest durations of, you know, the experience, digital experiences that you could really hope for. Um, but then in VR, I think, which is where we always wanted to head and where we, I've, I've seen people in the exhibitions for half an hour, 40 minutes, you know, with the headsets on. So they take it off and they're very dizzy, but still they're really enjoying it and they can really engage with the content, which is for me, one of the beauties of, of that experience. It, it's like being there. And I fell in love with the, the VR side of it because it's the first digital technology that actually you put the headset on and it creates memories of being in that space. So when you take the headset off, when you think back at it, you think, oh, I'm stood in front of that artwork. Yeah. And you can't have that experience with any other digital medium. So it's really, that's the beauty of, of the VR side. Yeah, and I think, I, I'm sure you've become kind of an expert in terms of VR technology, even just outside, you know, beyond the art world. But yeah, so tell us a little bit about, about that. Where do you think the world is technologically in terms of like VR sets and how prolific, you know, they may become and how far away that is. So yeah, so people can actually, I know, for example, at the booths you have at art fairs, you often have, you know, a VR headset that people can experience. But how far away do you think we might be from, you know, just regular individuals having them in their homes? And because I feel like that's a really exciting world where people can then experience art fairs and exhibitions, you know, from their home if they're not actually there in person. So this is a, I could talk about this a, a, a long time. So <laughs> uh, I try and get as many points across as I can quickly, but the, the, the VR headsets, when we started in 2016, we were thinking, we were under the impression that by 2020, 2021, they would be really advanced. Everyone was talking about, you know, 8K, 16K quality in VR headsets yeah. by 2021. It just never happened. Um, and a lot of that to do with was the competitive nature of the industry it just didn't really evolve. And Oculus became like really the only player in that market. And they just, they, they didn't have the chips to power these headsets. And Apple have, come along and they've absolutely changed the game in terms of the quality which we expect as an audience for art and the excitement around the industry now is back in the in the, it disappeared for a while people stopped talking about it yeah i feel like it did kind of disappear from the conversation it and, did and, yeah. and, and some there's always going to be something else that takes over in this case it was ai and everyone's talking about ai but the Apple heads, and by the way, that can be combined, the VR side and the AI side can be combined, but the Apple headset from the initial, you know, feedback that we've had and from our developers working with Apple, it's actually like the feedback has been like, this is gonna revolutionize the whole VR industry. So I'm actually like 
so excited. I can't tell you because we've created this amazing software, but the hardware has always held it back. Right. Um, but just to go a little bit further from that, and the Oculus 3, which only released a couple of months ago, it's the first headset that has full color path through. So it's complete, allowed us to utilize what we built, which was the, this mixed reality side. So when you're on the Victoria Mirror booth now, at Victoria Mirror Projects here at the fair, we've got the artworks on the wall, but you put your, the headset on and you're not fully immersed, but all of the artworks on the wall change to other artworks. So it's fed into what the platform was built for, which was sustainability. And it's trying to move the industry into operating into a more sustainable way. So we can, you know, we've halved the shipment that we've had to do for the fair. And it's actually like every, the feedback so far has been incredible. But I keep saying, wait until we have the Apple headset next year, because that step up in quality is gonna be huge. But there's issues The you know, the Apple headset three and a half thousand dollars is starting point. Got it. Wow. Um, whereas the Oculus headset is 400, around four to five hundred dollars. So there is a question about, OK, how many people are going to have this headset at home? Do we push into both stores? Do we try and, you know, be exclusive on Apple? Do we try and be exclusive on Oculus? Um, because Oculus is where the volume is, but we see that Oculus is more going to be for like games and you know you don't need the most amazing quality to play a game on it's still going to be fun um but to look at art you'd need the best quality but we don't want to it's difficult with that price of that price point of the apple headset yeah i mean I, i'm sure i would assume it's eventually going to come down in price just like any other new technologies i mean i remember when flat screen televisions came out and they were incredibly expensive and now now they're very cheap uh but something you touched on in your last response about sustainability. I want to talk to you a little bit more about because I think that's a big issue in the art world. A lot of people in the art world care about the environment and are thinking about how to make the art world more sustainable. And I feel like a lot of conversations generally have uh, revolved around shipping and how expensive it is and the, the crates that get used once and then get thrown away. But I feel like maybe, yeah, people with, during those conversations, they haven't talked a lot about you know, what you've addressed here, which is being able to, you know, experience exhibitions in a, in a different way. And uh, yeah, tell, tell us more about how important sustainability is to the Vortec kind of mission and how you feel like you are and will be addressing it. So it's fundamental to Vortec because the whole idea of Vortec started after I just had two children and started thinking, you know, the world that they're coming into. And I come to an art fair and experience this everywhere this week but you turn it you, you come to the fair and there's just a billion crates everywhere everywhere you can look and it's like okay we know this is going to happen and we still want to do the physical fairs but how can we reduce this a little bit you know how can we bring a lot of these we've we've, we've been working on a big sustainability report that we're going to release early next year this year with the gcc and the advisors looking at what actually where the the impact is and it's really the big works the sculptural works it really takes a lot of that you know, that it eats up your carbon footprint for each fair that you do. And how can we reduce that a little bit? And so it might be that you still have the same booth, but you have a couple of large sculptures that you would have shipped, but in mixed reality. I don't want to, you know, it, it needs to become more like a hybrid. And I think the use of the digital within that can really help. If we're going to try and meet some of these targets that we're setting and the art fairs are setting, I think a lot of people, they say, oh, 
you know, we're going to set these targets, but we've got no idea how we're going to get there. Um, so we just want to be one of those tools that can be used to help people to get there. You know, it's not the be all and end all. It's like there's so many other things that we can do on the sustainability side, reusable crates. There's in, in every area that there's, you know, there are, there's forward momentum. We're trying to ship more on sea rather than air. Um, and Enforcic is a tool that can be used as part of that ecosystem in moving the industry towards a more sustainable way of operating. Yeah, I, I actually had a chance to sort of sneak into Basel, the fair, uh, yesterday and see. I mean, I feel like the fair organizers and the galleries do a great job of kind of hiding these crates so you don't actually see them and how many there are, but it's just extraordinary. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I want to also ask you about how, yeah, so how you're currently using uh, Vortec and the platform. Like, I know when I... Uh, get uh, my emails uh, from Divya at the gallery. There's always a PDF and a link to Vortex so I can explore the exhibitions that way. But tell me about, yeah, how you're using it kind of at the gallery and kind of in conjunction with, you know, it, physical exhibitions as well as versus, you know, sometimes you put on, I think, exhibitions that don't actually exist even in real life. Uh, they're just digital. Yeah, so there's, we found so many ways of using Vorset because it really does it. When, when you start thinking about it, it opens up so many opportunities and it's actually quite difficult to harness them into one thing. So I'm very much the personality. I do all of them, you know. Yeah. So um, the, the, the gallery is like very much like we, we, we put so much effort into making these exhibitions and you're often left with just an installation view of the you know and it's months and months and months of work not just by us but by the artists the initial conversations about doing a show and for me Vorsic is very much an archiving tool so a hundred years time people would be able to walk around those exhibitions and yeah. experience them how we experience so that's that's the recreating the actual physical then we looked at we, we started something called Vorsic curated which was really what we were finding was that the, the, the commercial galleries, they really struggled with the amount of work that's needed to do the digital. Everyone got very used to like these instant pictures, Instagram, right. you're ready to go. Whereas Vortex, you have to stop, it's probably three days work of putting a show on, which for a lot of galleries that operating at full capacity was almost too much. But we were getting such a great response from the artists that we saw the artists wanted to show on the platform. The audiences really loved the consuming of the work digitally, so they didn't need to travel and travel and travel but we were finding that we, we needed to find a way of, um, of bringing it all together and Vortic Curated for me was an amazing idea um, that brings you know great curators to be able to use the, the software that we've created and to work with artists from around the world and put on these amazing exhibitions without their you know it, which could be either purely digital or a hybrid. So a lot of the curators that we work with, you know, they do have a, and a lot of the art world, it is very traditional and they, people do want a physical element and we, we've accepted that, you know, instead of trying to do everything purely digital, it does become very much like, how can we harness the digital? How can we, um, how can we improve, or not improve shows, but how can we add to shows by using the digital? Um, so for example, at the, at the moment, we just opened a show in London um, with Minamore Eid, who is a, one of the great curators from the National Gallery of Renaissance curators. 
and she had a lot of work that she wanted to bring into the exhibition, which was in museum collections um, from all around the world, and they wouldn't let us touch them because it's like Michelangelo, Da Vinci works. And so you, you walk into the exhibition, you view the exhibition with all the contemporary artists, and then you put the headset on and you can see all of the old, um, you know, the historical works yeah. um, in mixed reality. And then you press, you know, everything now is on the VR headsets, it's all finger-based. So you, you press play and you hear Minna talking about the relationship between the historical works to the contemporary works which are in the exhibition. So it's doing things like that. How can we, you know, just layer? Because on Vortic, we layer content. It's all about, you can put everything on there that you can't put in a physical exhibition. Voice, sound, music, everything. Um, and then the third thing I, I would say is the artist projects. So there are a lot of artists that I've only really found out recently, but using VR technology. And, really? Yeah. And one of them being Eric Fischel. He's one of the great American painters who I didn't expect to, you know, it, when he told me he'd been painting in VR, it took me by surprise. So I've, we've just coming to the sort of the fruition of a two and a half year project with Eric, where he's painted in VR. We've exported the works into Vortic. We've animated the works in Vortic. And then we've extracted the works and turned them into bronze sculpture. The first one that we're showing tomorrow at the opening of Basel. So that for me is like a completely different side, but it's still very much harnessing the, the VR technology and in a very different way, but it's just as much excitement around it. Um, one more thing in terms yeah, of how sure. we're using it. Um, we have recently started a year ago, Victoria Miro projects. Um, we closed our Mayfair space during the pandemic. We lost a space that allowed us a little bit more opportunity. And we, at the gallery, we see so many young artists who we love, but we never really have the chance to work with them. So we started last year um, with some younger artists who have done purely digital Vortic exhibitions and responded so well to it that we decided to make a whole program, Victoria Miro Projects, with artists that we love, that we want to work with, but we don't represent. And we still have a platform now to show them, to, to work with them, to, to help them at a, an, an early stage of their career. And it's been a real pleasure showing having a first physical booth here with Victoria Mira Projects this week, untitled. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, and I think it's great to see the booth here because it kind of touches on that hybrid model you were describing where these are artists that did these digital exhibitions and now you're actually showing them in person as well. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about artists and especially these kind of younger artists you mentioned for the projects who are doing exhibitions with you that are purely uh, on the Vortec platform and aren't in real life. Are they uh, excited about that? Are they, I know it's maybe it's because they're younger artists, maybe they're more comfortable with that. What, what are the conversations like with these artists? And uh, are they, you know, excited, you know, knowing that, you know, the exhibition won't be in real life, but it will still, you know, exist in this, in this platform? So, yeah, the, the conversations, I think, were more difficult at the beginning when it was yeah. rather unknown. Mm -hmm. But what the artists have seen, first of all, is the quality of how their work looks in the digital, it's not like just posting a picture. Right. This is actually creating a, a, you know, an exhibition. Um, the visitor numbers that we are able to get through the digital far exceed the, uh, the, the physical, you know? So 
the, the digital numbers can be three, four, five times higher. And that for the artist is something that's really important. Everyone wants their work to be seen. And, um, and that really helps us to have that conversation. So they've got two things going for them. It's not just a website with their pictures on it. Yeah. It's a full experience where they can, you know, they can layer the, the we can contextualize their work really, really well because there's so much content we can layer. So we, we make a film with them, we make audio and it, you know, you go into a Vorsicket and it's a whole experience. It's not just a, you know, a, uh, th this flat website, which we see so often and flick through very quickly. Um, and that would just, it gets easier and easier, the, the artists with the artists and they all seem to absolutely love it. I mean, they tell me they love it. So, <laughs> but, I'm sure, yeah. But um, I, I actually genuinely think they do. Um, they do, and we always try and show one or two works physically um, where we can, because it is still really important for people to see artworks in, in person. However great the photography is, you might always miss something in the digital. That will get better in the next few years, but at the moment we're using photography, and there's limitations to any photography. So there's, yeah, that, that would be my, my one point is that we don't completely eliminate the physical and for example with Cindy Phoenix who we work with this year we did a studio visit you know in uh, during Freeze LA at her studio and the same with the artists in London we send collectors to the studio so they can experience the works in person as well so again it falls back to a hybrid it's not purely digital experience yeah and if you think about collectors or curators or anyone who experiences art, you know, outside of the gallery realm. I mean, I remember, you know, auction houses, for example, they all of a sudden stopped producing catalog for the most part, and everyone sort of freaked out, and then now that's okay. And, you know, people now, you know, use social media and they consume art. How, how's the, uh, your conversations been with, you know, collectors, uh, people experiencing these exhibitions? What's been the learning curve there? And how many, how, what percentage would you say, you know, feel comfortable kind of exploring an exhibition like that versus, you know, maybe a more static kind of PDF, um, of course, if they're unable to visit the exhibition in real life. Yeah, we found that for, at the beginning there was definitely friction. Um, you know, 3D technology for people that have grown up playing video games is actually relatively easy. But, you know, my dad, for example, when I've asked him to use it right at the beginning, you know, it, it took him time to, to really sort of, know how to to move around and for me that was a perfect test case because i said was as soon as my dad knows how to use it then everyone <laughs> will be able to use it so now we're in a position where the navigation is much better it's much easier to to find what you're looking for and it's much easier to put yourself in front of an artwork and, and zoom into the areas that you want to look at and again it gets much easier with vr because it, there's no controls. You're literally just walking around an exhibition. Um, so we're heading in a direction where we uh, will eliminate a lot of this friction. You know, doing anything on your mobile phone takes time to get used to. Um, but the collectors have always, for me, the, the great sign is, is I send a work, a PDF, and uh, so many collectors come back to me and says, can you put it on Forsyth for me? You know, yeah. so... And now we send them a, whenever anyone buys a work, we send them a, 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 a Vortic room with their work in it. 
so that they can build up their collection. They can start placing up more and more works in the room. They can start building their collection in Vortic as well. So it, the more you use it, the easier it becomes. The problem for us is that we keep finding easier ways that we could toy with the navigation and then everything changes. So it's a little bit for the end user. It's because it's so experimental technology, it, we, we, we often think, oh, let's move it all to scrolling navigation or, you know, let's do a different and make a different action. Do And so it, take, it does take time. And I, we realize it's frustrating for the user because once they got used to it, we, we tweak it a little bit, but we're only tweaking it for the better. And I think we'll get to a point where we've tweaked it and we're happy with it, completely happy. And everyone can get used to that form of navigation. And so Vortec, it's, you know, it's closely tied with Victoria Moreau Gallery. Do you kind of view this as like a competitive advantage kind of platform? Or do you actually want, you know, even your competitors, other galleries to ultimately be, you know, embracing it and uh, being on it so people can experience, you know, gallery, you know, different gallery shows on the platform? Um, it's very much a collaborative platform. I, when we started it, I did build it with the gallery in mind for what we needed, but always um, thinking, well, if we build what we need, then surely everyone else is going to need it. And when we launched it, we launched with David Sverner. Um, we've had 230-odd galleries um, make exhibitions, 55 in this for Untitled Art Fair. So I do think it's, it's very much a collaborative platform. And I do think it's, we, we see the friction with the industry, of course, because it does take a lot of work. So Victoria Miro, we have our own digital team that not many galleries would have invested in because it is like an undertaking to do it. So I do think as the technology evolves, we will see more and more galleries using it as their capacity and their, their willingness to do the digital increases. At the moment, people, vast majority of galleries, commercial galleries, they want to send the work out, sell the work, move on to the next one. Um, but I think that will, will change um, in the way that we've, we've, we've changed and we've evolved. And it, it is an archiving tool. It's a tool to represent our artists in the best way possible. And it's a tool to really allow the collectors to experience that work. And maybe if we can save one or two travel, you know, trips by anyone, then we've, we've done a, a good thing. Um, so, but yeah, it, it's built to be a collaborative platform, not only for galleries, but for museums, for artists, for collectors. Um, and it's ready for everyone to use. And um, yeah, we're, we're, whoever wants to use it is very, very welcome. And so I know it's uh, hard to uh, make predictions for the future, especially about technology. But since you're you know, very familiar with the platform as well as technology, what do you think potentially you know, five years out could look like in terms of how people could potentially enjoy and experience art in a digital fashion? It's a very good question. I think about it a lot. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is being recorded, so we could go back uh, five years down the road and check. But... Uh, um, won't hold it against you if it's not entirely accurate. Yeah, I mean, in an art fair context, I have this dream where we turn up, there's nothing on the walls, and yeah. people just put on a headset and they view <laughs> all of the work on the on the wall, and it um, it means no shipments, you know, um, and it means really sort of operating in a really sustainable way. Um, but I do feel that we are moving towards a more hybrid world, a more um, a world where mixed reality is going to become part of everyday life in many different things. But for me, the, the, 
that AI is a huge part of what is possible with accessibility to people. So when you walk into a gallery or museum, you know, they can only put one text on the wall and who is that text aimed, for, aimed at? Is it the elderly visitor? Is it, you know, your PhD student? Is it your 10 year old? And I think that we're going to be able to really personalize people's experiences when they come in to a gallery or to a museum and make it relatable for them because I think the art world struggles with that a lot. And I think this technology and especially AI and VR as a combination can really alleviate some of those. But also, there's so many artworks that people never get to see, whether they be hidden in museum vaults, whether they've been stolen, whether they're in collectors' homes. And I really feel that by using this technology, we're going to be able to give anyone who wants to experience standing in, piece in, in front of a work of, of art that experience, wherever that artwork may be. And that's the real beauty that I, I see for the future, is sort of bringing all of these artworks out of hiding, essentially, and bringing them to everyone to experience and enjoy. Because that's really what you know, is important, that people get to see and enjoy all the, this incredible history of art you know, that is hidden, really, away. Yeah, and I think about, you know, whether it's art fairs that are on the other side of the world or just, you know, museum shows in a different place where you already didn't have a chance to see them with maybe in the future with enough technology and the platform, you can experience it and really feel like you're there enough to, you know, if someone asked you to see the show, you said, yeah, I did. Uh, so I think that would be pretty cool if we get to that point. That is the goal, yeah. I mean, ideally, every show that's on, you go on for and you're able to see it. And we can tick it, we can, you know, do tick. I think it's people are scared of it because, oh, it'll take away all my ticket sales. But we can find a way to, you know, to tick to do ticket sales so people do come and the museums do still, are still able to raise revenue from those sales. Because, you know, there are concerns. People are scared of technology in many ways, especially in the art world. People are very much, you know, they want to stay in the traditional way of they've, they've known it for so long. But we help. We're, we're here to sort of help them bridge that divide and not be scared of it and make that leap to, to actually, because we understand the traditional art world very much so. We're coming from the traditional art world and we're not trying to, you know, eliminate that traditional art world at all. We're trying to improve it in many ways. And so before we go, I just want to ask you about the Vortec Prize uh, for Untitled. Tell us a little bit about how that came together and what that entailed with the exhibiting galleries participating in that. So we launched our new, um, we call it our CMS system, our content management system, where galleries are able to um, create exhibitions this year. And we wanted to give the galleries access to the platform without too much assistance from us and see what happened and see what, how they used it. And we had an incredible response. We've had 55 exhibitions all very very different but all really really special and i think you and i have both experienced them it was fun yeah. yeah it was fun seeing how each gallery took a different approach uh and utilized the different features exactly and i think it's been for us just so it's been so rewarding to see people use this software that we've spent so long creating to do things that you know they know how to do which is exhibition making and it's very much an exhibition-making platform. So to see it in practice with Untitled and to have the amazing support of the Untitled team and the, you know, a lot, a lot comes down to the communication with galleries and actually letting them know that something like this exists because all the fairs 
not just um, until all of the fairs have struggled since we've come out of the pandemic. Everyone's like, oh, digital, I'm sick of that. You know, <laughs> yeah. so I will go, I, 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 but Untitled have really embraced the digital side and they've focused on it. And it's been a, such a rewarding partnership and one that I hope will continue because to have that enthusiasm behind it allows those galleries to do those amazing shows, to know that it actually exists. And yeah, there are three standout, standout booths that we have all decided on, which I don't think I'll announce here, but I know will be announced on, on Thursday. Well, Oliver, thanks so much for chatting with us. A bit more about Vortec and just the uh, art world and how people are consuming art and digital platforms and what the future may hold. Uh, and for anyone who hasn't checked out the exhibitors, uh, they can do so at, on, on Title's website or on Vortex. Uh, appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I want to open it up for questions. I don't know if someone has any question that would like to ask to Adam. And Is there a dream project you'd like to realize in Baltic? Uh, there's so many dream projects. Um, I think the technology is allowing us to, um, to get to places where dreams become more viable. At the moment, there's some things which have just been too much. Um, we have the conversation a lot about Kasama Mirror Room in VR. I think that is a dream, um, but also a museum of stolen artworks that can never be seen, never be accessed, is also something else which always is in the back of my mind. Um, but really the dream is, is just to allow as many galleries and as many museums and as many artists to, to use what we've created in the software. And what they do with it is like, the dream for me is to see how they use it, see what, you know, we put so much energy and in, into six years of development to make this tool for everybody. And the dream is really seeing how people will use it and take advantage of that. We've seen it even with the Untitled project. People have gone, some galleries have gone crazy on it, you know, so, yeah. Hello, thank you very much. I was curious about what, what level is Vortec helping to drive sales for the galleries and the artists? Because the exhibition opportunities are wonderful, but I know that that's something that's another key component to the sustainability. Yeah, so from a sales side, I think when you are in a commercial gallery, you start to realize quite quickly that it's not so much the sales that's the issue, it's actually the inventory and trying to get enough work to keep selling because it's relentless the art world it's one fair to the next to the next to the next um and we can't do them all because it's very unsustainable so for us as a gallery i think it really helps us to give uh, uh, to talk to our artists and find artworks that are suited so it helps us to get more works to sell i think that's a starting point but further to that it's um you know the, the decisions which are made from a pdf or from a, you know, Instagram or whatever it may be. I've had so many, you, you find out so many collectors, that are, I love it, but I need to see it in person. And I've been able to jump so many times through that hurdle and say, well, I'll put it on Vortec, you can experience it and make the decision on acquiring it before we have to do the shipment. There's 
obvious things like condition reports that we send along with it because I could send a perfect picture and it could have a whole, you know, gash in the middle of it. We don't know, but it's with, with the condition report and Vorset, we found that we can, you know, do sales without having to do all the shipments which go with it. I would also add just an anecdote from my experiences. I, th I think it can serve as a discovery tool. Like, for example, um, I think it was last year you did an a exhibition with Richard, who has some work here. And uh, that was not a in-person exhibition. That was just on the platform. And maybe if this platform didn't exist, you wouldn't have done, put on that exhibition. But, you know, through that, one of my clients discovered Richard's work and ended up acquiring a work. And so maybe without this platform, there never would have been that exhibition at Victoria Moreau. And so that, you know, transaction never would have occurred. Any more questions? No? Well, thank you, Adam, Oliver. It's been thank a pleasure. You so thank much. you. Thanks so much. Thank you for organizing it.